I really sense um, an unusual and remarkable conversation from God that He is calling us to. Like He's trying to talk to us. And so I want you to kind of put everything aside for a moment. And just as Pat just plays, I want us to awaken kind of that desire for a deeper, more meaningful conversation with the Lord as we look into Scripture and begin to hear what God's desiring to speak to us specifically. Lord, we honor you today. And we recognize that all of this comes to nothing if we're not really engaging in conversation with God. So give us ears to hear. Give us ears to hear. Some of you just need to put aside the distracted perspective that the storm you've been facing has created. And just be at rest. Be at peace. I want to say, some people in the room need to hear me say this and say it with anointing and authority. Peace, be still. Let's be reminded, peace doesn't come from the absence of the storm. Peace comes from the presence of God. So come on, just invite His presence into your heart, into your mind, into your life, into your family, into your situation. Oh, we love you, Lord. And we want to love you more. No matter how far we've gone, there's more. There's more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We thank you for this family gathering where there's greater strength and stronger hope that's released as a result of the connection that we make with you and with each other. We honor you today. We look to your word today as our primary chief navigational tool in life. It awakens us, causes us to see things from an eternal perspective. And the Holy Spirit, right there, quickening the word. So we surrender to you today and what you desire to accomplish, all you desire to speak in Jesus' mighty name. Amen means so be it. So why don't you just say so be it. I heard Josh Sharp one time say amen means true debt. So why don't you say true debt. True debt. You just shout some true debt today while we're going into this, okay? Um, today uh, we're going to do this continuation of just a few weeks focus here of a conversation I felt like the Lord was asking me to stir up and... Um, I want to start this way, and I shared this idea last week, and I want to kind of talk about it and help bring some understanding, illumination to the, the title, Diminished Dominion, and what that really means in our lives when we grow distracted. But I want you to think about something. You and I are all, everyone in the room, we are all becoming a more exaggerated conclusion of who we are today. You are becoming a more exaggerated, maybe another way to say it, a more exaggerated expression of who you are today. How many of you can immediately think of some good things in your life that you are really excited they're going to be exaggerated and fortified in days to come? Can I just see? Raise your hand. 
How many of you can immediately think of some other things? <laughs> right? Like, oh boy. Well, all this is is the law of sowing and reaping. And unfortunately, in the church world, the law of sowing and reaping tends to be this club that is used against us to help us not do bad stuff. But the fact is, the law of sowing and reaping is this blessing that God set into motion to perpetuate the good stuff He wants you to possess. I mean, we always, religion takes it to the negative, doesn't it? And uh, we don't want to do that. We want to understand with a little more clarity what God's trying to reveal, and you are becoming a more exaggerated conclusion of who you are today. I have known over the years, maybe you can identify with this, but I have known happy people over the years have grown happier, right? I have known mad people over the years, and they've grown madder. And then I have known ridiculous people who moved from Oklahoma City to California to play basketball with another team. But I'm not bitter because bitter people will grow bitterer. So I want you to write this in the first blank view. We must learn to be purposeful about this process of becoming. We must learn to be purposeful about this process of becoming. Uh, God's, uh, God's abilities can be awakened within us. And this is really something, I mean, that statement in and of itself is, it needs a little bit of, of greater understanding because we're not just trying to discover God's abilities so that we can imitate God's abilities. We're trying to discover God's abilities so that God's very abilities can be awakened within us. Do you understand that when you become a more exaggerated version of who you are today and you're in alignment with the deposit God has put within you, then you're becoming more of what He's designed you to be ultimately as the conclusion of your life. And that is the goal in all of this. So God's abilities can be awakened within you. And when God's abilities are awakened within you, when He breathes His Spirit over you and His Word begins to awaken those things within you, and I, I, I mean, I really want you to understand you have a choice in this. And, and when those things begin to be awakened within you, your life begins to flourish. Your world begins to flourish. It's not always going to work out the way you want it to work out. How many of you figured that out? But this is what I have also known. Like, life can be hard enough without me inserting dumb decisions and ridiculous conclusions in the middle of it. I'm much better off if I'll just honor the Lord and honor His Word. How many of you know I'll be better off if I will not cheat on my wife because she actually has to conceal and carry and that would not be good for me? <laughs> I mean, don't make, don't make your life more difficult than it has to be. And when those gifts and abilities begin to be awakened within you, there's something just powerful that begins to flourish. And I mean, you know, you hear the story, and Tracy's up here with Faith telling the story, and Lexi and I are down there holding hands and choking back emotion. And I mean, come on, we've walked through the storm. But whenever you're walking through a storm, you know, I, I want to just say to everybody here, God has something to say about your situation. God has something to say about your situation. Are you listening to what God has to say? 
Because when we're hearing that this, these numbers are on the rise and they're increasing and they increased so greatly in that previous appointment that the doctor was alarmed, concerned, suddenly starts talking, all these other things, things we hadn't heard of. And we were just looking at this thinking, I, I mean, how in the world can this be? And, and God, we just cry out to you. Listen, you must understand, it is not the best case scenario for you just to pray general, hopeful prayers. Okay? General hopeful petitions are not bad. It's just that they're not specific. And the doctor may say something, but if God says something, then no matter what the doctor says, what God says prevails. That's what we believe. And so this, true that, so this thing's progressive, like it's getting higher, getting higher, getting higher. And then faith just comes and she said, I don't know where she was praying, whatever, listening, worship, something. And she said, I just felt like God told me that the number was going to be 3.2. That's a pretty precise number, like to the tenth of a centimeter measurement. And so, you know, I mean, my, in my mind, she said that. And you know what I was thinking? Well, I hope so, honey. You know, that's where I started. I mean, we got to be honest, right? You, you need to hear this, and you might want to write it down. It's not on your notes. Your mind will always wrestle with your anointing. And if you are not cultivating your anointing, growing strong in places of prayer, strong and deep in places of the Word, your mind is going to win that wrestling match. You need your anointing to win the wrestling match. You, you don't give up when God doesn't say give up. You press in when God says to press in. But your mind screams at you and says, no, there's no way. But he's a God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. And when we were, we, I just began to, to uh, I, I told Faith, she and I started developing. There's an atmosphere song. When he walks into the room, everything changes. And one day I was just listening to that song, and the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, that's to be your theme song. So I told Faith, and we began to pray. And in the mornings, I would be praying in the house, and that song would just be on repeat. I've listened to it hundreds of times in the last few months, and I'm just walking, and I'm thinking, the doctor's going to walk into the room and have something to say. But when Jesus walks into the room, everything's changing. And so that specific number, 3.2, I got to tell you, when the doctor came in and actually spoke of a reversal number that is impossible, then we all looked at each other like, oh my, literally, God is in the room. Like He walked into the room and he began to make an adjustment to the situation. I want to challenge you to listen. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. The Holy Spirit is your helper. The Holy Spirit is your counselor. You need to cultivate a deeper, more meaningful relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life. And you need to understand this. This is just like when I was just praying on this and asking God, every Monday is my focus to get the message for Sunday, and I get it carved out, and then kind of pray through it all week long while the team's doing the handouts, videos, whatever we got going. And, and, and the Lord was speaking this to me, and I was just, I just didn't really get it, so I'm just going to give it to you the way I got it when I was praying. People can't do what people can do simply because they have the ability to do it. And, and, and I just was wrestling with that, thinking, you know, what's that mean? People can't do what people can do simply because they have the ability to do it. Like, how many of you could walk when you were born? Raise your hand if you could walk when you were born. Well, it's a trick question. You had the ability to walk when you were born. But you had to first crawl. 
And after you crawled, you learned balance. And after you learned balance crawling, you learned pull up. And after you learned pull up, you learned let go. And after you learned let go, you learned fall down. And after you learn fall down, you learn take steps. And but you know what the thing was going like you were you were laying there on that on that floor, and you were thinking, I mean, just something in you was commanding, I'm born for more than this. So you started crawling, and, and as you're crawling, something in you, I'm born for more than this. And I get up on my feet, and I start walking, and I, it's something in me, I'm born for more than this. And that's when I then realized I not only can walk, I can run. I'm saying to you spiritually, just clap it in. I'm declaring to you spiritually today, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, you are born for more than where you've been. True that. There's something in us that demands more. You're driving down the highway, and there's this lane of traffic, and somebody in front of you is going slower than the person in the lane next to you, and you just can't st- I'm just justifying my bad behavior. You just can't stay in that lane. You've got to get over and go. You're born for more than that. Just next time you get pulled over and get a ticket, just tell the policeman, I was born for more than that. <laughs> I'm sure it'll work. <laughs> so you have these abilities. Like you could walk. Before you could walk, you just had to learn that you could walk. You just had to learn that you could develop the ability to walk so that you could walk. Are you hearing me today? You have the ability spiritually, supernaturally. There are spiritual faculties that exist within you. You can do more things than you think you can do. It's in you. It's there. But you've got to devote yourself. You've got to develop this stuff. You've got to give yourself to this. If you will get in the Word and realize that the Word, I mean, you understand, like, I'm going to mess with you a little bit in your diet here, okay? Uh, It's okay if you're not a vegetarian, but you need to understand this. If you eat meat, what you eat is meat that eats vegetables, you understand? You eat vegetable-eating animals. I eat meat too, by the way. But you eat, you don't eat, you don't eat meat-eating animals. You eat vegetable-eating animals. You know why that is? Because the nutrients have to be one generation away. Otherwise, you're getting like mad cow type stuff going on. And so you got to be, you know, closer, the closer you can get. How many of you know Twinkies are not a good source of, of nutrients in your body? I know they taste good, but they are not a good source of You can die with your stomach full if you only eat Twinkies because they live forever on shelf because they don't have any vegetables. And so vegetables die. Just keep that in mind. If stuff dies faster, it's a little healthier for you. So all I'm saying is you, your body needs vegetation because vegetation grows its roots in the dirt. Your body came from dirt. Your body came from dirt. God created you out of dirt. Therefore, if you want to nourish your body, you have to go back to the origin from which it came to get nutrients from the dirt. So your spirit was born from the breath or inspiration of God. If you want to nourish your spirit, you've got to get back to the origin from which your spirit came. God will breathe on your devotion time. God will breathe on your prayer time. God will breathe on our gathering in this house. (laughs) 
You have spiritual faculties that exist within you. Stop being religious. Start being relational. Press in and ask God to give you wisdom to walk this out every single day of the rest of your life. You can hear the voice of God. You can hear the voice of God. Some of you in this room are not convinced. You know why? Because your mind is wrestling with your anointing. John chapter 10 verse 27 says you can hear the voice of God. You're not going to get it right every time. I don't care. You can hear the voice of God. Stop disqualifying. Stop being skeptical. Stop being depressed spiritually. Stop giving your mind that much control and authority in your life. Develop your spirit. Cultivate your spirit. God wants to breathe on you and inspire you and empower you and awaken something within you that comes from an entirely different dimension. You do not have to live according to the the temporal conditions that surround you. You're not merely a thermometer hanging on the wall judging the climate. You're a thermostat setting the tone, determining how cold or how hot it needs to be. We had this past Tuesday morning, this is, uh, you know, this has just been a season that God's doing this. It's been, it's been wild, just to be honest. Um, about a month ago, the Holy Spirit just began waking me up, maybe just a little under that, but, but began waking me up before my alarm would go off, just a few minutes before. How many of you are married and, and, and you've, you've experienced that moment where your spouse, they, they lean over in the bed and they say something like this, are you awake? And you say something like this, I am now, thank you very much, right? And so, you know, you, they're, they're wanting to have a conversation about something, talk about something, or whatever they have in mind. Anyway, you wake each other up in those, in those moments of the night, just move right on. And so I, I have been uh, in a scenario where I, I'm really having a hard time focusing, stop laughing. I, I'm, I've been in a situation where my alarm would be about to go off, and, and I would uh, wake up, and it was as if God was right here in my face talking to me, and my alarm hadn't even gone off, and it's like he's having a conversation, and I would wake up and realize it's just a couple minutes before my alarm. I would shut off the alarm, and I would just sit there, and it was as if I had been having a full-on conversation. I had logic engaged in the conversation. I had awareness of a person that God was talking to me about or an idea that God was wanting to impart to me. It's the most odd, unusual, amazing thing, and it just it, it, the first time it happened, I thought, well, that was a unusual, and then like it happened the next day, and then it happened the next day, and the Holy Spirit began to say to me, I am awakening this in the church, and then I began to talk to a few guys about this, and now we're meeting Tuesday morning at 5.22 a.m. in this front area right here. This past week at Tuesday morning, we had 45 men walk through that door just after 5 a.m., and they're saying, I want to hear more of what God has in store. And this Tuesday, we're going to have more than 45 because there's a movement going. We're not a bunch of Jesus motion. We're Jesus movement type people. This is not about a 522 program, and we're only going to meet for four weeks. It's not about that at all. But this is about every one of us in the room being deeply devoted to awaking the supernatural faculties that exist within us. You are supernatural people. Wow. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Like, I'm not just stirring you up to a bunch of chatter. There's something being released in the spiritual atmosphere. 
something being released over your children, over your children's children. Saul feared giants, therefore Saul's men feared giants. David killed giants, therefore David's men killed giants. We are the giant killers of our generation, and there is another generation that's coming after us, and they are going to kill giants, and they will be awakened to the purposes and the revelation of God. So all of you dudes, if you can make it, be here Tuesday morning for week two of the four weeks together, and there were a group of ladies that actually met in the lobby to pray while we were doing that. They were probably praying for us, God help those guys. Lord knows we need the prayers and they need the practice. Come on. That's <laughs> bad. So last week I shared this sobering concept, and I just want to kind of get, get, this, get to this through this so that we can talk about more the core of where I feel God wants us to land today. But, but I shared how we are going to, and think about it, like all of us have a moment of regret. We can think, if I could go back, I'd change something. How many of you know that when you were 20, uh, if you're older than 20, then if you were 20, uh, you knew a lot more than when you were 12, right? Like when you're 12, you really think you've got it figured out. But when you're 20, you realize, man, when I was 12, I didn't have it figured out. And then like when you're 40, and you think about when you were 20, you think, oh, I really had a long way to go. And then like when you're 60, I have no idea because I'm not there. But as the progression gets older, I keep feeling like what a moron I used to be. You know, like, wow, uh, epiphany, wake up. Like God's trying to help me get smarter here along this journey. And there's these regrets because like I make all kinds of financial decisions when I'm young and dumb. And then like all these years I have to suffer from dumb, dumb head, you know, back there. That whole progression. I mean, you may relate to this. We can, we can understand temporal regrets in this world, in this life. But now I want you to think about moving beyond this life that the Bible describes as, as a, a, a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Like, it's that fast. This is a short life in the overall spectrum of eternity. you got to understand, this is nothing. And there's going to be a time we're going to step out of this mist that appears for a little... I know there's stuff that's nagging at your soul, gnawing at your life, trying to pull you down. But just keep in mind, this is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And then we step into a place of eternity. And in that place of eternity... That's when we're going to experience this level of regret beyond our, mighty, our wildest understanding. Because we will be introduced in that moment having knowledge and revelation and understanding who we could have been, what we could have done, how we could have spoken, how we could have lived, the lives we could have impacted. And when I, when I read in Revelation 20, the eternal judgment of God, and I think about all of us are going to live forever and then we're going to face this judgment. And that judgment is a determination of the decisions that we made in this life. Did we receive Christ or did we reject Christ? And if we face that judgment, let the record show we need to not lose sight of this important truth. It's not a, 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 a hammer to club people with. It's a reality that should drive us to embrace the purposes of God because people are going to literally stand on that day of judgment and be sentenced and judged eternally separated from God. And you and I are going to be there watching it happen. This is Revelation chapter 20, if you go to the next chapter, Revelation 21, verse 4. After all this, then we read, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The tears won't be wiped away until the eternal regret has settled in. 
Can I just tell you, I'm pastoring you today to eliminate and alleviate as much of that regret as possible. This is hugely important for us to understand. We have to get this. And last week, as we talked about the whole issue of sin, it weakens our perspective. It lessens our capacity. And today, I want us to understand how disobedience to God, whatever that looks like. You know, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Like, there's some sin that's too hot, some sin that's too cold, but there's sin that's just right. There are things that I could talk about, and some of you go, I would never do that. That's way too hot. And then other things I would talk about, and you say, I would never do that. That's way too cold. And then there are things that your pupils dilate about, your heart races a little bit about, your breath starts to breathe a little harder about, because those are the things you're into. And you're becoming a more exaggerated expression of who you are today. So make sure you're dealing with those things, those things in your life because it will, these are the things, it'll weaken your perspective, it'll lessen your capacity, and it will diminish your dominion. And just, just the thing I said last week, this is not an issue of sins as much as it's an issue of sons. We don't need to make lists of things to avoid. We don't have to try and take you, you know, hold you in a room until we figure out all your stuff. All right, all we need to do is get you awakened to the purposes of God. Because when a man or a woman is awakened to the purposes of God and given to the presence of God, sin has almost no ability to touch him or her. Because you're so awakened to, I mean, the eternal purposes of God are so big in you, the temporal stuff that's trying to hold you back becomes so weak and so small and so pathetic, and you, you start to get it before you slip into eternity. How could I ever allow myself to be distracted or detained by that? Get it now. Don't wait. Get the eternal purposes of God awakened in your life as you're pursuing God for more of what he has in store in your life. Listen, let me just say, you must, we must, all of us in the church world of our generation today, we must stop measuring ourselves by the common Christianity of our day. God's not looking for Christians that are warmer than most in their faith. God's looking for some white-hot believers that are willing to pray the price no matter what that price may be, to awaken something supernatural and eternal deep within their soul, causing them to live a life that is so devoted, not because of how religiously devoted they are, but because of how awakened they are to the eternal purposes of God. Do you get that? So you and I were not born for the pursuit of a moment. No moment the world has to offer can ever fulfill your life because there's this eternal perspective that exists within you. The best moment the world could ever arrive at and provide for you would only satisfy you for a moment, but you are created for an eternity, so don't settle for the moment. And this is, this is what distracts us, and this is what takes us away. And, and, and I want to just kind of walk you through Genesis 1:26. Let us make man in our own image. First word, image. Please say that word. Image and uh, let him rule and have dominion. Please say dominion. Okay, which came first, image or dominion? Image. You're created in the image of God to have dominion in the earth. 
You, you need to understand this is really uh, important with, with where we're going with all of this. You're created in the image of God. God gave you image, and then he gave you dominion. He, God gave man image of God, and then he gave man dominion in the earth. Now, the reason this is important, if I were to ask you, what's the most important confession of the Bible? Uh, we would come up with a lot of different things. Like the most important confession of the Bible, we would dif- you know, different things we would come up with. But if, if you were a, a room full of Jewish rabbis, you would answer almost in unison with the right answer because in that forum, it's clear the most important confession of Old Testament Scripture, any Jewish rabbi would tell you, for the Lord your God is one God. Like, we wouldn't come up with that. How many of you would not come up with that as the most important confession, right? We would come up with something, a lot else. So why is that so important? And this is exactly why. You were created in the image of God, the Lord your God, who is one God. Have you ever known somebody who was two-faced In other words, they were one person to this crowd of people, and then they were another person to this crowd of people, and maybe another person to this crowd of people. They're not one. In fact, you don't know who they are until you see who they're with, and then you know who they are. This is a person who lacks character, and they don't know who they are, and they're being defined by other people's opinions. And I just want to say today, other people's opinions don't have to become your reality. God's opinion needs to establish who you are created in the image of God. That is character. When you're one, I can trust you. When you're one, other people will trust you. When you're one, God will trust you. That's why image comes before dominion. The fall of mankind was the fall of man's character. And I want to talk about character in our landing strip here today. The fall of mankind was the fall of man's character. Write that in. That's your blank. And and this brought with it a broken self-image. The fall of man's character was the result of a broken self-image. We no longer understood the image of God that we were created within that structure of the image of God. So our character was fallen. We suddenly are trying to find identity, significance. I mean, this, this plays out in a lot of ways in all of our lives. We can really track it down. But here's the bottom line. Jesus came to restore it all back once again within our hearts and put the pieces of the fall back together so that you can stand with confidence. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence, and the fear of man will prove to be a snare. Which do you want? Do you, I mean, why is it that we live our lives trying to please somebody who's going to live less than 100 years old when we, and you're never going to please them anyway? Why do we devote ourselves to trying to please people that we can never please who are going to live less than 100 years when we could devote ourselves to pleasing the Lord that Jesus has empowered us to do who's going to live forever? Come on. So character, the fall of mankind brought the fall of man's character. What is character? You know, I was in college, just had been in college for a couple of years, and uh, the drama department had decided to do a play. Well, I'd never been in drama. I didn't know what that was all about. I had a friend that talked me into coming and trying out 
for the play. All the people in drama were told, you've got to get two people to come try out. And he's begging me, will you please come try out? He's like, I'm going to get in trouble if I can't get two people. And I was like, okay, I'll try out. So I went and tried out. And lo and behold, never been in drama in my life. I guess I just was wild and crazy enough. They cast me as a lead part in uh, The Man of La Mancha on a college play. So, not, I'm, I'm sorry, not lead, a, a lead role, not the lead role. The lead role is Don Quixote, if you know this play. I, ladies and gentlemen, was Pedro. <laughs> Do not mess with Pedro because I was one bad kind of a man. And so that was my role, Pedro. And, and so they really had to work with me because I'm kind of a jokester. And so they gave me all my lines and I learned all my lines. And then we would come in and we would be, you know, it's just like the perfect moment. You're in this, you're, you're in this character, in this play. And, and, and like I knew their lines and they knew mine. And then I inadvertently would toss in an extra line or two that would be hilarious. And then everybody would crack up laughing except the director who would not laugh. And, and he would many times say, I need a word with you, Lawrence. He, I mean, that was very common. Step to the side. I need a word with you, Lawrence. And he would tell me over and over and over, stay true to your character. Just because you can think of something funny that might make people laugh, if it's outside of your character, stay true to your character. I need you to be one person, not two. Don't be two people. I need you to be one. And I want to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, men and women of God, don't laugh at stuff that God doesn't laugh at just because you can make somebody laugh. Don't break your character. Stay true. You got to be you. You got to be true to who God says you are. I'm preaching like you should be shouting and declaring it today. Character. This is character is being somebody without being somebody else. What about alphanumeric characters? You know, you can use any alphanumeric characters you want, put it in a letter. It can be an informal note to a friend. It can be a formal letter to the president. It does not matter who those characters are in front of, they remain the same. Character. God gave image before he gave dominion. God calls for character before he releases us to greater places of authority. Do you hear where, where I'm going with all this today? I believe God's having a conversation to awaken something within us that will help straighten us up a little bit. Not because we're going to make lists of what to avoid, but because we're so aware of the presence of God, suddenly the character of God, listen carefully, the character of God begins to be established in you, and when God deposits His character in you, it's automatic and natural for you to express His characteristics. Supernatural expressions of the power and the nature of God immediately become... Why? Because he gave image before he released dominion. It's like our spiritual software just begins to function on new levels, new dimensions. You know, uh, as the Lord was waking me up, it wasn't just me, and now I've had a number of people talking with me about this. In fact, Chrissy sent me a message, and she said, it's been strange when you said that, the Lord's been waking me up before uh, my alarm. Uh, Bryce... 
and Chelsea have recently started coming to church, and Bryce, before the Tuesday, uh, had message, you know, like, I woke up right before my own. I never do that. I got a message even this morning. Uh, Zach Lowe, just, the Lord is just waking me up to a greater place of conversation. This morning, before my alarm went off, again, I woke up. I believe God wants to do something, and we need to pay attention to the seasons that he brings in our direction and not just stand idly by because you can do things that you don't realize you can do. You just need to start to develop the ability to do those things. And I'm calling to the supernatural faculties that are within you. Will you stand to your feet and let's agree together as our worship team comes. So I'm going to ask you to do something um, a little different today. When our guys were in the Tuesday meeting, I said, um, I said, you know, we're focusing on the first week we'll stand up, then we're going to talk about sit up, and then the third week we're going to talk about think up, and the fourth week we're going to talk about speak up. And so the whole stand up, sit up, and I just said, you know, just as a declaration that we're not going to stay where we've been, then I said, I want to ask you to take a, a row forward with your family when you come to church. Just a row forward. If you're on the front row, that's about as forward as you can go. Unless you want to sit right here. Uh, but, but, I mean, that was my challenge to all the guys. And I see a lot of the guys are with their family. They've taken a row up. I don't know if you explained or if you just said, let's step up. Uh, but, but that, I mean, all we're saying is, I'm going to take a step forward in my faith and my relationship with God. It's time for me. I'm tired of where I've been. I want to go somewhere else. Can anybody relate? Like, there's more than God has, that God has in store. So this is what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to ask everybody to do this. Like, take a step forward, as in everybody take steps forward, and let's all gather at the front in an expression to say, where we've been, we're not going to stay there. It's time for me, me and my house. We're going to go into a whole other dimension of the pursuit of God in my life, in our lives, as a church family.